0: Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. So, so glad to be with you this morning to start this Advent season together towards Christmas. You know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving this last uh, Thursday, and you know, Thanksgiving is a day set aside for us to enjoy each other, enjoy food, be in community, and just be grateful for what we have. How many of you love Thanksgiving? I I love Thanksgiving. In fact, One of the beautiful things about Thanksgiving is that it encourages us to be more generous towards others. And here at Mariners, we had a wonderful day on Thanksgiving Day where we served 800 people a Thanksgiving meal. About 400 families participated in making all kinds of food and bringing it to the church. And then 200 people served the food to the 800 guests. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Thanksgiving? And it's just a day of just being thankful, being grateful, being joyful, I love it, it's one day. Because on the next day came Black Friday. On the next day came this, check it out. Overnight, an
1: all-out battle at stores across the nation. Just hours into the brutal chase for bargains. I got my fist up if somebody tries to steal something from me. In Louisville, Kentucky, Black Friday madness. Two men punching and tearing at each other's t-shirt inside a major city mall. Tempers flared at this Walmart in El Paso. Holiday shoppers appear to fight over flat-screen TVs, even taking on store security. The yearly stampede spilling into front doors, a welcome sight for retailers hoping to cash in on the holiday frenzy. Sales expected to reach $80 billion in the U.S.
0: We made
1: it. The average American spending close to $400 throughout the holiday weekend, with some brick and mortar stores now handing out a select number of tickets to people in line for the hottest items. We're able to ticket numbers one through whatever number we have. That way it stops a lot of the chaos from happening. Some shoppers camping out for days. We've been here since Tuesday night at
0: 9.30.
1: All in an effort to nab great deals like this 50-inch flat-screen TV at Best Buy, marked down nearly 75% off. I think it's exciting. If it's something that you want and it's worth it, why not go and get it?
0: Yeah. Is it really worth it? I mean, it's that not like a mirror, right? Packet. And you know, Thanksgiving is one day, not before those twenty-four hours were done. I mean that one girl, she was she skipped Thanksgiving altogether by standing in line. And boom, we get hit with this season, this rushed season towards purchasing and buying and parties and food and gatherings. And and, and if we're not careful, we lose that very beautiful expression of Thanksgiving before too long. And I don't know about you, but I have this desire to hold on to the spirit of Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas. Anybody with me? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could actually just take the next, we're up 28 days before Christmas is here, and really just have that same feeling that we feel when we are on Thanksgiving Day. I know not everybody had a great Thanksgiving, but the concept of Thanksgiving, the concept of being grateful, I think it's something that is a beautiful thing to hold on to to this season. And, you know, it's not easy for us because it doesn't take long. I mean, I picked up that little, that's at CNN, and I think it came up sometime around 10 a.m. yesterday morning, on, on, actually on Thanksgiving Day, I'm on, on Good Friday, on Black Friday. It doesn't take very long, And what I'm trying to say. For us to lose that sense of gratitude and thanksgiving. The world, to turn on the TV and there's all kinds of terrible things happening all over the world. There's challenges in our own lives, in our community, in our home. And so to hold on to gratitude, we need a bit of help, don't we? we you know, I, Yes, we can say we're grateful, but to hold on to that deep gratitude, we need help for that. And gratitude has power. And I want us to have this power over the holiday season. The power of gratitude is such that psychologists and scientists and um, doctors will say that when we are grateful, our blood pressure drops. When we are grateful, we're better looking. I mean, right? I mean, you see a person who's grateful? They just look better. They're more attractive. You know, people will be more attractive to us when we act with gratitude. When we are grateful, we're not stressed. You know, stress and gratitude just can't go together. And so there is a power in gratitude, and I want us to tap into that power all season long. Today, 28 days from now, will be Christmas. And I think that today, with the messages that we're going to hear this week and every week between now and Christmas, I think we have an opportunity to hold on to that gratitude for that entire time. This is why this series, this Advent series, is going to focus on four things that we desperately need all the time. But ironically, we already have. For those of us who follow Jesus, who celebrate that at Christmas, we are grateful for the fact that God in the flesh came in the flesh to be with us as a baby in a manger and then grew up to be a man, a sinless man who died for our sins. This is a day we celebrate that God did not stay distant, but came near. And because of that, We have more than enough of the very essential things we need to be grateful. And today we're going to look at hope. Next week we'll look at peace, then joy, and love. And you know, we're going to start with hope because hope is one of those things that they say we can't actually live without. Now I I do think we can't live without peace, we can't live without joy or love either. But I think it's a good thing to start with hope. Listen to this quote. Man can live about 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Now, maybe a little exaggeration. We maybe can last more than one second. But the point is made that hope is so essential that when we lose it, we start to die. We really do. Humans have endured the most horrible losses of health, reputations, Physical losses, emotional losses, rejection, isolation, persecution. But when loss is hope, loss is, is completely. When hope is loss, my brain is backwards this morning. We'll get with this. Okay, when hope is loss, we start to slowly die. Nothing seems to matter. We become indifferent. We lose our motivation. Without hope, we can't endure. We cannot have joy. We cannot have courage. It simply evaporates. And yet, we are the people with the good news. We are the people with the greatest source of hope, Jesus. And so, today, in the scripture that we're going to read this morning, our prayer is that we will understand and be further convinced that we are the people that have more than enough hope. And why this is important, it isn't just for us. I am thinking some of you here this morning, you need hope. You're in a situation where you're desperate for hope. And I hope you receive that this morning. But for the rest of us who maybe feel, yeah, I have some hope, I hope that what you get out of this message this morning is that there are people out there needing this hope. And then it is our privilege and opportunity to spread out that hope unto others. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah was a prophet at the time when the people of Israel were in captivity in Babylon. And Isaiah was called by God to give a message to the people that were in captivity, a message of hope. What we're going to see today, the reason we can be absolutely grateful all the way through Christmas is that God, there are certain attributes of God that let us have a hope that cannot be shattered. And because we have more than abundant hope, we can be grateful. So the first thing we're going to see is that God keeps his promises. We have more than enough hope because God keeps his promises. Isaiah 40 is, begins a place where God, what I think God makes a mega promise, a promise that was not only true at the time when God said it to the people he said it, but it's a promise that, has been, that carries all through time to us today and even into the future. Isaiah 40 starts with, comfort my people. This is a message of comfort that God is giving the people of Israel. They're in captivity. They have been in captivity and under oppression for many, many years. They had lost hope. So many of them turned to idols and other kinds of worshiping. They had turned from God because they thought that God had turned away from them. And here's the message that God tells Isaiah to give his people, starting in verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for a God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." Essentially, the promise that God is making with these words is that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be made right. You have to remember who's hearing this message. People who are living in not-so-good times. People who are under tremendous pain and sorrow and despair. And they're hearing God make a promise to them. Every valley shall be raised up. Every ground shall be made level. Everything will be made right. You will return to the homeland. I am a God who keeps promises. God makes promises and he keeps promises. And this would have been true for the people of Israel at the time. And sure enough, God did deliver them from the oppression of Babylon. But it also was true when John came announcing to prepare the way for Jesus, asking people to repent, a promise that had been made that a Messiah would one day come to release the people from captivity. And it's true for us today because we all await for the day that Jesus returns. Again, when we turn on the news, when we hear what happens around the world, when we see our life circumstances, we cry out to God, Jesus, return, do something, We're in despair. We're still a people needing to believe that God keeps his promises, and he does. Do you remember the promise that he made to Mary? The very thing that we celebrate at Christmas, listen to what it says in Luke 1. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will become the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom, his kingdom, will never end. If you ever doubt, if you ever have doubt that you don't have enough hope, just look at a manger scene, any manger scene, a plastic scene, one made of metal or crystal, wood. Look at a manger scene because there is a representation of a child. The child that we celebrate at Christmas is the child of a promise that God made, a promise he kept. And the beauty is that that child that we celebrate at Christmas is God, God who did not stay distant but came close. Paul tells us that Jesus was God. Look what it says in Colossians. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him reconcile to himself all things. God keeps his promises. Hebrews 1 also puts it this way. The Son is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You see, we have more than enough hope because God keeps his promises. And that makes me grateful. In a world where so many promises are made, Promises even the people who are trying to purchase something, thinking that thing, that deal I'm going to get is going to bring me what I desperately need. Maybe we, we look at the promise that uh, drugs and alcohols give us, that it will numb away our pain. We look at the promise that success will give us. We look at the promise that beauty will give us. The world is making us promises all of the time, all of which it cannot and will not keep. Maybe for a time. None of those things truly satisfy. I am grateful that God makes promises and he keeps them, right? That is a huge source of hope for us. We have abundant hope because of that. And for that, we can be grateful. And God gets it that sometimes we might wonder if he, we, he keeps our promises. I mean, I wonder, do you have a promise? Do you think that God has made you? And he hasn't kept yet? Are you holding on to something you feel God has committed to you and it hasn't happened? And you're wondering, has God left me? Has he forgotten my situation? Does he not see my desperate situation? But he does. In fact, he knows that that is our natural tendency to forget. Look what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God. Listen, God knew the people of Israel were wondering, God, where are you in this? When will you come? When will you make things right? When the going gets tough, when we get stressed, when we get overwhelmed, it's so tempting to bail out on God, isn't it? but he never bails out on us. He never does. We may not understand why the timing, his timing is different or his ways are different, but he has not left us. He will keep his promise. And when we struggle to believe that, then perhaps we can hang on to his character, his nature, who he is, When you read Isaiah chapter 40, the big chunk of this chapter is all about God's character and his nature. I I don't have time to read it all to you, but as you read through it, you will see certain characteristics about God. So I'll just read you a small portion of it, verse 28 and 29. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak god the creator never tires how many of you are tired how many of you are struggling how many of you feel weak god never tires tap onto his strength Tap onto his character. You see what God is saying, what Isaiah is saying, and you can read chapter 40 for, i call it extra credit. If you feel this week where you suddenly forget who God is, read Isaiah chapter 40. Because you'll be reminded that, listen, it's not that there is no God like him. There is no God but him. There's only one God. There's only one creator. There's only one that's sovereign and has full authority over all things. One who is from the beginning and the end, who was there way before, who knew us before we were even formed. That God keeps his promise. That God, his character, his nature never ever changes. I know sometimes we get tired and we think God gets tired of us. I do. Sometimes I think God gets tired of my complaining and my whining and my prayer and my constant asking or even my own brokenness. That so often I do the very thing I don't want to do, like Paul would say. Sometimes I think God's like, okay, I've had enough of you. Thank goodness there's billions of people in the world. I'll go get another one. But listen, that's not the God of the gospel. That's not the God we serve and follow. God never tires He will never grow tired of you. Is that not the greatest source of hope and gratitude? It is for me because I can be tiring. And yet God says, I'm not going to be tired of you. I will not leave you. God's character is solid. We can stand on it like a solid foundation. And this is not the same for the world. This is not the same for anything really around us where so many things change on a regular basis so often, so quickly. Just like we went from Thanksgiving to Black Friday in a massive hurry. Things change in this world on a regular basis. Isn't it wonderful to know that God's character never changes? We have more than enough hope. We have an abundance of hope, and we can be grateful for it, because God never changes. And if for some reason you're feeling like, well, that's really good and all, but I'm not so sure. I am so tired, I can't hang on to that truth. I love that God gets it, that we are indeed weak. Look what it says in verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. He gets it. He gets it that we tire, And when we feel like we don't have enough hope, then we have to count on God's strength. You know, it's okay. It's perfectly okay to sometimes when we feel low on hope, to lean on, to borrow somebody else's hope, somebody else's strength. And in this case, I want us to look at God's strength, which is unmatched. We have more than enough hope because of God's strength. Look what it says in verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Oh, please read it with me. Let's do that again. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You're lacking strength today. God has strength you need, and he will give the strength to those who put their hope in him, he will pour it on, I love this beautiful picture of being on the wings, being able to be soaring like on wings of eagles, anybody seen an eagle, magnificent bird, huge, and when they hit the stride because they can fly so high, it's so effortless, It almost like there's no care in the world for them. To be in that place. I mean, if if you've hang glide or done any kind of stuff like that, like there's a perfect silence up there. And you can imagine this being on the wings of eagles where there is no sorrow, no pain, no worries. a Peaceful place. Where we don't have to do it on our own strength. We do it on the strength that God gives us. We have more than enough hope. Because we have a God who is strong and he's willing and able to give us his strength. And I love how the psalmist in Psalm 46 puts it. It says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth will give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake in their surging. We will not fear. And we don't hope alone. Don't You know, yes, we, can, we have the hope. God gives us the hope. We have his strength. We can count on his character. We can count on his promises. But sometimes we can't do it alone. It's even foolish to try to do it alone. Ecclesiastics reminds us the importance of being there for each other. Look what it says. The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You're lacking hope. Somebody else may have the hope you need. Maybe it's just being with someone who looks very hopeful and borrowing some of their hope for the time. Being with each other. Maybe you're struggling. Someone can pray over you, be with you, and fill you with their hope. But the beauty of the three strands, when Jesus is in the picture, represented by that third strand, when God is in the picture, now hope cannot be broken by nothing. It cannot be broken. I love that picture. And Paul reminds us that hope comes from God. Even though we can, it's an action we can practice, at the end of the day, what we hope for is so grand. We even need God to infuse us with it. Look what he says in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow, overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I know some of you might be struggling today. I, I, I gave this sermon at the nine o'clock service and I got to speak with some people who are having some very, very difficult times. This is a season when everyone else is celebrating and if we're hurting, it hurts even more, doesn't it? It feels even heavier than other times. This is a season where things are happening that we cannot understand and hope is something that the enemy wants to steal from every single one of us. On a regular basis, he does not rest until he steals hope from us. And when we lose all hope, we lose everything. That's his plan, to destroy. You know, I don't know if you've heard the story, but on Friday, at the Irvine Spectrum, a young lady went up to the fifth floor of the parking lot and jumped to her death. Horrifying. That young lady lost all hope. I don't know her circumstances. I don't know if she was struggling with depression, if she was under some sort of influence of a medicine or drugs. We don't know. We don't know. What would she need to hear moments before she made such a decision? Can you see hope being stolen from her? There are people in this world struggling. And they need us, the ones with abundant hope, to share what we have. We are, I'm so grateful that we have this hope in God, that God keeps his promises, that his character is unchanging, and that he will give us the strength that we need even in the darkest of places. And out of gratitude, like Paul says, we should be overflowing unto others this hope. We are the people whose hope isn't based on a short-term timing, but on an eternal timing, whose hope isn't based on a circumstance, but on a big promise, a mega promise that is kept by God. And therefore, we can share that. I want to share you the story. I don't know if you've heard this before, but in 2010, 33 miners were trapped in a mine for 69 days. Have you heard the story? These men were trapped with very, very, no food, obviously, no water, in a very tight confinement where physically they couldn't move very well, so they immediately having muscle atrophy during the time. And no other at never had they tried to rescue people from so deep into the ground. The people who were rescuing these men made a decision. They focused on two things, their physical well-being and hope. They made sure in some way to get some food to them. And they constantly were talking to them about their struggles, about their dreams, about their sorrow, about their frustration. They allowed them to speak out their hopes. And do you know that what is remarkable, 69 days of suffering. If one guy came out of that mine alive, it would have been a miracle, right? All 33 of them did. Every single one of them came out alive. And I love what one of them said, Mario Sepulveda. He said, I was with God, and I was with the devil, and I reached out for God. We have more than enough of We have a God who keeps his promises. We have a God whose character never changes. We have a God who will give us his unending strength. I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful. Yes, we might need hope, but we have it. We just have to tap into it. And you don't have to be a Christian to love Christmas. Don't think that because people love Christmas, they're getting it. They like the trees and gifts and the tinsel and all the different things that come with Christmas, even the songs. And they might be satisfied with that as though that's good because you know what? The world constantly gives us these fake experiences to make us think we're getting what we need. But what they really need is what you and I have. Hope. And that's what we need to share openly, boldly this season, out of the heart of gratitude, overflowing. Read with me, Micah 7.7. 7. Look what it says. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Maybe those are the words you need to say to someone who's hurting. Just that. And then I love Paul's charge to us. Don't give away, don't, don't leave this message of hope. Look what it says in Colossians 1. Continue in your faith. Establish firm. Do not move from the hope held out into the gospel. Continue in your faith. You remember Hebrews 11, which tells us what faith is. Look what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence, what? In what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Hope overflowing. Now I'm thinking, I've said a lot, I've repeated myself a bunch of times, and maybe there's some of you still that don't feel like you have the hope you need. Now I'm going to read to you a prayer. It's actually a prayer written by, in a nurse's handbook for spiritual care in hospitals. It's a beautiful prayer based out of Isaiah 40. Because if we ever feel like we don't have that abundant hope, if if we're lacking the gratitude, it's because we don't think we have it. Okay? If we ever feel that, I hope these words will penetrate into your hearts. Look at what it says. Lord God, the prophet Isaiah taught us the value of hope. If we put hope in you, we will soar as with eagles' wings. Now that seems like an easy lesson, only to hope, and all will be well. But when the dark days are dark, dear Lord, when we are filled with sorrow and suffering, Isaiah's message seems like a distant echo, muted and toiling from far. Teach us, Lord God, to hope, to hope in illness and infirmity, to hope in pain and in anger, to hope in hurt and frustration, to hope in anguish and even to hope in despair. Guide us to hope in you, O Lord, that we may indeed one day soar as with eagles' wings in the radiance of your light and your love. As we prepare now to respond, every station here in the chapel is intentional. If you're new to the chapel, let me tell you what they are. We have the cross in the back, which is where we go and nail our sins. Why? Because remember, the enemy wants to constantly accuse us, point his finger at us, saying you're not good enough because you did this or you thought that, and you've continued in this. And Jesus came and he died for that, so you no longer have to be burdened by the condemnation that the enemy wants to put on you. And so we go to the cross, we nail our sins and say, God, we don't want that in our life. We want to be like on wings of eagles. We want to be free from the oppression of sin. We go to the prayer wall where we thank God for what he's giving us today. I am grateful for hope. And we go and we write a prayer. We ask God for what we need. He doesn't grow weary of your prayer. If you pray every single day the same thing, he never gets tired of hearing your voice. Paul tells us, pray unseasoned. Pray. We can write our prayers. You can come up to the candles and light a candle. Maybe you're the one who needs hope today. And you light a candle as a representation that Jesus is the hope that you need. And maybe you have it, but someone in your life does not. Perhaps you want to light a candle for them. To ask God to bring them the hope they desperately need. And of course, we come to the table of communion where we are grateful, overflowing with gratitude for what Jesus did for us. Yes, during Christmas, we celebrate his birth. But it does not make sense in the context without his death and his resurrection. That God came near, yes, wonderful, beautiful, but that he was willing to die for our sins so that we could be made right with the Lord. And so we come, we remember his sacrifice for us. Every station, even our giving boxes, are another way for us to say, God, we have more than enough. We are overflowing with thanksgiving because of the hope that you give us. Let us be a people that pass on that hope unto others. And again, if you're new to the chapel, you can do any of these stations, all of them, in any order. This is your time to move around the room, to use your body, your physical activity to respond to what God is telling you today. And so let me pray for us before we respond. Father, look at your children. Lord, you have spoken powerful truths through your word. And I think of Isaiah who was giving a message to a people who were oppressed, who were hurting, a promise when they needed action, a future when they needed a now. And so, Father, I pray for those who are here today, desperate for you to do something today, that, Father, you would bring comfort and peace to them, to their hearts. Fill them with your hope. You, the God of hope, fill us with your hope. And as we walk around this room, Holy Spirit, walk around, walk among us and strengthen us in this truth. Grow our gratitude, Lord, that we may be willing to share this with others. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and His work together. Thanks again.